This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation here at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer. We continue to have conversation around becoming beloved community. The Episcopal Church's long-term commitment to racial healing, reconciliation, and justice. Becoming beloved community represents not so much a set of programs as a journey, a set of interrelated commitments around which Episcopalians may organize our many efforts to respond to racial injustice and grow a community of reconcilers, justice makers, and healers. In this episode, we have Steve Carlton Ford joining us, a member of our Becoming Beloved Community Steering Committee. Well, welcome, Steve. Thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I've, I've been at Redeemer since um, 19, summer of 1988, um, lifelong Episcopalian, and uh, I teach at UC. I teach sociology and do research on international uh, issues. Oh, wonderful. Um, and you've been involved in the Becoming Beloved community work here at Redeemer. Right. Um, what's been your, your journey? Um, well, in some ways, the Becoming Beloved community journey is really part of a kind of continuation of work that I do as a sociologist. So many of the issues are familiar to me, many of the concerns about, about race and ethnicity in the U.S., um, but also more internationally. And in particular, one thing that got me really thinking about these issues in a somewhat different way was my trip to South Africa this past spring. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit um, about that experience? I had never been to South Africa. Of course, I knew about um, apartheid in South Africa and the um, work in the U.S. against apartheid. Um, and I knew, roughly speaking, about um, the way in which um, whites were separated from, from blacks in South Africa. But I got a really kind of eye-opening look in going to Johannesburg on work, um, where, in, at least in the kind of upper middle class areas, white areas, every house is behind about a six-foot wall with either barbed wire or electric fencing on the top. Um, and that's in big contrast to Soweto, which is right outside of Johannesburg. I think some Americans are kind of familiar with that, which is one of the segregated areas where, where blacks had to live prior to the end of apartheid. And this 2019 was the 25th anniversary of, kind of the new government in South Africa. So I've been kind of thinking about what has happened in South Africa in those 25 years, how far they've come, and then reflecting on how far we've come in the U.S. since the 60s um, and how far we have to go. As part of the visit to Johannesburg, I had a, a full day touring Johannesburg and um, the areas around it. So Soweto is outside of Johannesburg proper, um, but was created as an area where blacks had to live. Um, it was sort of the buildings they had there were bulldozed and they were um, given what are called matchbook houses and was able from a vantage point high up above Soweto on a, on a, in a tower, you could see these little houses. They looked from the top the same kind of dimensions as a little as a little matchbox. And then as we toured Soweto and saw them up close where there are basically virtually no yards. Um, 
and just the houses just all um, squashed together. And for a long time, there were two electric power generating towers in Soweto, but none of the power went to Soweto. It was generated and sent to Johannesburg. That has since changed, but that didn't change until the 1980s. So you see, you know, this kind of pervasive um, racism that separated not only whites from blacks, but also there's a group of coloreds, which are either, either mixed race or people um, of other um, ethnic backgrounds. Um, and up until fairly recently, um, of course, sexual relations between members of those different groups mm -hmm. were illegal. Um, I've just been reading uh, Trevor Noah's mm. um, book, Born yeah. a Crime. Yeah. Um, his father was white, his mother black, and um, he, his family, his mother in particular, they had all kinds of different stratagems for not revealing that he was, he, he was her child because she was um, black and as a mixed race child, he was illegal. Mm. Um, so South Africa has come a long way. Um, Soweto is, um, has some rather stylish upper middle, middle class homes now where people have, that people have built. Um, but it's still quite a divided society, although the University of Johannesburg serves primarily black African students. Okay. Um, but in the U.S., of course, um, we've been, we're still struggling with the aftermath of laws that forbid re sexual relationships between members of, of different races. Um, we're still overcoming a legacy of redlining um, and housing discrimination and em employment discrimination. So um, as a sociologist, this doesn't surprise me because social change really takes a long time. Um, and for me, I think it's really good to see that those changes are coming, if all too slowly. So you're part of the Sacred Ground series. Yeah. Um, what's been... What's been um, an experience for you or, or a story that's come from that series? Um, I think one of the things that, that has really struck me is the diversity of experience that folks at Redeemer have had around issues of, of race and inequality. Um, folks of various ages in that group come from different backgrounds, some very privileged, some grew up in the North with little direct experience of U.S. segregation, others from the, the Deep South where there were um, sometimes rather intimate personal relationships between children and um, black employees um, that give them a really different view about race relations and the kind of the contrast between the personal dynamics and then the structural dynamics of segregation and Jim Crow laws. Mm -hmm. So... So for you, um, where we are now in this journey, what's been your biggest takeaway? Well, I think the biggest takeaway is, in some respects, how difficult, difficult it is for people to talk about race and race relations in the U.S., um, how fraught and um, how reticent people are, I think, to, to really open up. I mean, we've had some good conversations, but um, I think there's a, there's a hesitance on both sides to be able to really engage deeply, and I hope, I hope that as the meeting's going, because we're really just in the, about the first third of the meetings, I'm hoping for 
um, kind of deeper, more exploratory conversations. Yeah, I, I um, when we did the the becoming beloved community work during Lent, um, that's kind of what I saw that it was a space that was kind of a safe space to have conversation. So I don't know if that's something that's been able to is a place that that group is at yet, or if they're still, as you say, you're early on and. I think that's developing, but we've got um, a bit of a racial mix. We've got some folks from outside UC who are, who are coming, and I think that that's going to develop over the next month. Right, right. Um, is there anything else about your experience that you would like to share? Well, I think for me, I grew up in New York State on the Canadian border. I've lived in South Florida, which, where actually we were into high school. Um, Worked for two years as a VISTA volunteer in Alabama, working with self-help housing groups. So I've experienced um, both race relations in the North and race relations in the South. Um, I actually was living near Boston at the time of um, integration, school integration uh, riots. So I have this a definite sense that although racism was different in the South because of the Jim Crow laws, that um, there's pretty much pervasive racism uh, throughout the U.S., north, south, um, and certainly into the upper Midwest. I've lived in Minnesota and um, heard people talk about race issues as if Native Americans were not involved, um, like they just were not part of the conversation, although clearly it was a really big issue. Um, well, thank you, Steve, for being with us, and thanks again. Oh, glad to have had the opportunity. Thanks. Join us in our conversations here as we continue our commitment to becoming beloved community at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in the Queen of the Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio.